0: I want to just share with you this morning the third of our series breaking through and um, you know if you've not been with us the last couple of weeks then uh, we're really glad you're here this morning. Um, Two weeks ago we looked at this whole idea of breaking through walls that are inside of us, walls of our own limitation and when God's expectation meets our limitation there's a collision but what we said is why don't we let God's expectation become our inspiration in order to break some of the walls that are on the inside of us. It took me much longer than that to say it, but that's basically what I said. Uh, and then last, last week, we looked at what about those walls in between us as people? You know, we're supposed to be community. And what, what we talked about last week was the church It's meant to be the place where there are no dividing walls, not of race or of colour or of age or stage or likes or dislikes. They should all go. That's hard, but they should all go. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, and this week, what I want to talk about is those walls that come in front of us, which represent those obstacles and barriers to us moving forward. And there is no better story in the whole Bible than the story I'm going to look at for talking about bringing down walls. Anyone want to hazard a guess at what the story is? Jericho, yeah? If any of you were brought up in church in Sunday school, maybe you remember that song. What was it? Joshua the Battle of Jericho. That's the wrong key. Jericho, Jericho, Joshua the Battle of Jericho. And the. Oh, it's beautiful. Look at that. That's amazing. Okay, and, and the problem is, with that kind of song, and with this kind of story, is that there are a lot of questions that we have about it, and um, we can go to the picture, please, Chris, and, and one of the questions that we have is, is it real, or is this like a children's story, or like a, is this Frozen, do you know what I mean, is it that type of story, is this like a Disney kind of thing, or is it real? Well, actually, Jericho, uh, historians say, is, has been the oldest continually inhabited city on the planet Okay, up till, up till it wasn't. But, it, but it basically it, it's, it's existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The interesting thing about Jericho is it's built on an alluvial floodplain, but it's also built on a geological fault line, which means that there's a lot of earthquakes in that area, which is interesting. You think, ah, oh, okay, so maybe that's how the walls came down with an earthquake. So maybe God didn't do it at all. Maybe it was a natural thing. That's okay, but if that was to happen at exactly the same point when God said, blow the trumpet, that's a miracle. But the bigger questions that we have about this story aren't about that. The bigger questions are, why would God allow something like this to happen? Why would God do that? And there are massive questions here, okay? So why would God send a flood on the earth? And why would God allow a whole nation to fall or to be killed or a city wall to collapse? And, and there are massive questions that I understand that, okay? I really do. I want to just add a couple of things into that, and this is not the whole uh, you know, argument at all. But what we see, when we look at a story like that, we think from our perspective now in 21st century, how could God, if God was a God of love, why would he do that? It feels like genocide. What we don't understand is that in the context of history, thousands of years ago, where the people were at was a very different place than where we're at. In fact, the Canaanite people that lived in Jericho were so barbaric, did such horrendous things to each other, that time after time after time, God said through prophets, stop doing that. Stop doing all that stuff. They did child sacrifice on a regular basis. God gave them lots and lots of opportunities to change the way they were living because God wanted to move society and civilization on, but they wouldn't do that. And what we don't understand is that often when when, when these things happen, we see it from our perspective. We don't understand what God is doing in the bigger picture, okay? Now, I know that doesn't answer it all fully. I understand that. But I think the biggest question for us is not any of those questions, but what does that ancient story have to do with me? So let's leave the reality for one side of the walls and people and all that. What does it represent for you and I in 2014? What does the walls of Jericho have to say into our life? And that's where I want to go this morning. I believe the walls of Jericho represent, a Jericho is anything that threatens to separate us from our inheritance in God. So that can be walls that separate you from what God has said you would step into and possess. It can also be walls that restrict you from becoming who God said you are. So, so I believe that there are a whole different varieties of Jerichos. You see, you can have Jerichos, which are situations in life where the wall seems so big and it's so intimidating that it threatens to restrict you from being who God said you are and from possessing the land that God said you would possess. I don't mean literal land. you understand what I mean by that? So that could be marriage. Maybe your Jericho is your marriage. You know, it's in such a state and you think, how will this ever change? And how will I ever be the person that God wants me to be and possess the land God wants me to possess with this Jericho, and my marriage? Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's health this morning. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's work. Maybe you're out of work. That's your Jericho. It's an external situation. But there are also Jerichos which are internal, but they appear like they're external as well. In other words, there are things on the inside of us that are so big and so intimidating that any time we want to move forward, we hit the same wall. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's a character issue. Maybe it's a weakness. Maybe it's a temptation or an addiction. So it's an internal thing, but it's so big that whenever we try and move forward in our life, we hit it time and time again. Maybe that's your Jericho this morning. Or maybe your Jericho wars are actually spiritual in origin. And by that, I don't mean from God. I mean from the enemy. And you think, what are you talking about? Now, I want to say something. I don't often talk like this. I believe in a spiritual presence of evil in the world. And I believe that for three reasons. I believe it firstly because the Bible teaches it. Secondly, I believe it because Jesus believed it. And thirdly, I believe it because of what I see, hear and experience. I cannot be convinced that some of the things we see in our world right now, I cannot begin to be convinced that they originate just in the heart of mankind. And when you look at the evil across our planet right now, You cannot, you cannot convince me that there isn't an existence of an evil force behind that, because I think there are. And And so it may be this morning that your Jericho is a situational one. It may be it's an internal one which appears so big that it's like you keep hitting it. And it may be it's a spiritual one and it comes from the enemy himself. But whatever the source, you can break through. Come on, whatever the source, you can break through. Because the Bible says that God, who is in us, the Spirit who is in us, Jesus who is in us, is greater than he that is in the world. So that's the spiritual one. And it's greater than any circumstance. And God can move mountains. He really can. He really can. And that's what we want to look at a little bit this morning. God's promise for your life and for us as a church includes growth. It includes fruit that overhangs the walls. It includes the transformation of people and place and community. And listen, if you decide the walls in front of you are too big and too intimidating for you to break through, then that's fine. You stay as you are. But I want to I tell you what will happen. Maybe you won't have many battles. Maybe you won't have so many battles because actually you know danger anyway. And maybe life will be more comfortable for you. That's great. But I tell you what, you will not become who God has called you to become if you do that. And you will not inherit the kind of life God wants you to have if you do that. And you will not experience the thrill of what it is to see God break through in your life if you settle for comfort and you settle for restriction. And as a church, we're excited right now about what God is doing amongst us. But we've got a real heart for more. You know that? Next weekend is our 35th anniversary weekend. We've got a heart to see God reach more people than we've ever seen him reach in our existence in 35 years. You know, we had a a little snapshot on Friday night. You know, we have a a youth uh, event over the back, a a youth club, and that's been in uh, in the community and in our building for years. Okay, it's a safe place for young people to come. It is now the biggest uh, um, expression of that in the area, really. Friday, we had 233 young people came to that. But what was even more exciting, and that was exciting, is that before it started, we had 30 young people come to Alpha. So 30 young people, many of which have no church connection other than Friday night, came to Alpha. Please pray, will you? Because those things, you think, well, that's great. And it is great. But we've got a heart to see more than that. Because there are thousands of young people in our our town who don't know God, who don't have that kind of safe place to go. And we're not content until we have an opportunity to connect with every single one of those. And as we come up to our 35th anniversary as a church, we want to see breakthrough as a church we want to see breakthrough in terms of the amount of people we're reaching. We also believe that we need to see breakthrough in terms of the building that God has given us. We want to refurbish this whole building, okay? There's all reason for that. And if you're at the vision gathering, you'll understand that. That's going to cost money. But we believe if we can break through financially, if we can break through with the building, we can break through into people's lives in even increasing ways. So next Sunday in our two services, we're encouraging you and inviting you um, to be part of a, a gift and pledge day means giving an upfront gift if you can or a pledge over the next 24 months if you're able. And all of the information to that is at the back. The forms are there. The envelopes are there. So during the service next week, we're going to encourage you. We're going to utilize the wall and we're going to put our gifts through the wall to be symbolically prophetic that the money that we give is not just about money. It's much more than that. We want to see breakthrough at every single level. So that's what we want to do next Sunday and we want to encourage you to be a part of that because we're not content just to stay safe and comfortable and not be a threat anymore. But here's the interesting thing. In my experience, whenever you decide to move forward in terms of God, you become a threat, other things start to happen. See, it's no coincidence that, that Joshua, when he took the people into the promised land, the first thing he has to really deal with is Jericho, Is a battle. And sometimes people think, you know, if you're a Christian, when you become a Christian, all your battles will stop. Some of you may not be Christians this morning. Or a lot of what I want to say is really more geared to Christians. So you can sit back, relax. Doesn't really apply to you so much. You've got a backstage pass. You might think that if you become a Christian, all your battles in life will stop. Bad news, actually, lots of them will start. Okay? So you say, I definitely don't want to be a Christian now. But also all the victory and understanding who God is and experiencing God in your life, that'll all start as well, which is amazing. So the battles will start when you decide you're going to break through. And I know over the last few weeks, so many different things have come into my life. And across me, I thought, okay, God, we really are looking to break through, aren't we? Because all these different things are coming. And that's just an indicator that I think God is on the move. So how do we break through the walls that are in front of us? Firstly, we need to get our perspective right. We need to get our perspective right. If you look in your Bible, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. We looked a couple of weeks ago at Gideon, again, another story in the Old Testament. And again, the phrase is the same phrase. The angel of the Lord, it said, came to him. And and we said that in the original language, what that is a reference to is Jesus. Jesus didn't just come as a baby 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Uh, God, Whenever it gets serious, God sends Jesus and he appears in angelic form. And that's what was happening here. So God comes to Joshua. and, and, And it's interesting because Joshua finds himself in the same place that he was 40 years before. Interesting, because 40 years before, Joshua was at this place as well with 12 other guys. They were going to spy out the land and see whether the guys should break through into the land. And 10 out of 12 come out and said, "Nope, wars are too big, giants are too big, can't do it. So Joshua had to go back with the rest for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years later, Joshua finds himself at the same place again, about to contemplate breaking through. That's interesting. At the uh, vision night, one of the things that I shared with you was a couple of weeks ago, uh, Steve Robinson, who... Steve and Liz used to be part of this church, great friends of ours, they've gone on to lead a church in Leeds, doing an awesome job. And Steve sent me an email, and in the email he said, I've been praying for you guys as a church, and I really believe God gave me this picture. And it was a picture of a corkscrew that I shared at the Vision Gathering. And he said, and what you feel, many of you, and you'll feel it, Leon, is that as you approach the 35th, and you're inviting the people in the church to be part of another gift and pledge day, you'll feel, haven't we been here before? Haven't we been here before? Doesn't this feel like going around in circles? But he said, but what God's told me is this. It's not going around in circles because even though you've been through something which feels similar to what it is before, it's not what it was before because you've moved on. So even though you're going through a similar experience, actually, you're not where you were before. You're much further on. Things are different. What God is doing is different. You're different. The community is different. So even though it feels as you cut through the line that you've been here before, actually, you're not. And what was really interesting to me about that was as I began to think about that and pray about it, I thought, "And do you know what, God? Do you know what, Leon? Actually, because God does know this. Do you know what, Leon? It's not the first or the second time we've been here before, neither. Because as you're going to hear next week, many, many years ago, like before I was even born, like in the 80s. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> then, what? Well, then this church, this church was facing incredible pressure. They'd moved into this building, 150 people, and interest rates were sky high. And the mortgage was crippling the church. Le- original leadership changed. It was a massive, massive challenge to the church. New leader came in. And it was that leader, Nigel, the leader that was before me, who called the church to give financially, to match a gift that OM were giving because they were moving into the building. And that gift collectively attacked the mortgage and brought breakthrough. So actually, our history is that we did that there. And then five years ago, we did it here again. But we were different than when we were there. And now next Sunday, we're going to do it again, but we've moved further on than the last five years. And sometimes what God does is he brings you back to a place which feels familiar, but it's very different. And if we don't take the breakthrough, and I'm careful now because I'm off my notes here. If we don't take the breakthrough, what could happen is that we'll end up going round and round in circles and we'll never move on. But when we make the breakthrough, we move on. And God often, personally, I know this is true, brings you back to the same place to say, will you make this breakthrough? And if you do, then you'll move on. And you know that's true. And so Joshua, here he is and he's at Jericho again and he thinks, hang on a minute, I was here before, but then I was 40 years younger, <laughs> you know, but you know what? In that 40 years, the walls hadn't got any thinner or smaller and he got 40 years older. So more and more, he's needing to depend on his God to give him breakthrough. And he says to this man, to Jesus, he said, Whose side are you on? Are you on our side or their side? Jesus says, Hey, that's not the question. The question is not whose side am I on? The question is whose side are you on? Abraham Lincoln, in the middle of the Civil War, in the Senate was asked a question from the floor, it said, it said, Mr. President, whose side is God on in this war? And he says, That's not the question. The question is whose side are we on? Are we on God's side or not? That's the question. And God primarily comes to us, not to assist us with our efforts, but to receive our worship. And that's what Joshua did. He worshipped. And the Bible says that he took off his shoes. And that's about holy ground. It's about reverence. But it's also a a reference back to when Moses took off his shoes at the burning bush. And I think that's God saying, listen, if you take off your shoes, then let me fill your shoes and I'll work through you. That's what's going on here. And so for you, whatever battle you're facing, whatever Jericho you've got, it starts with surrender starts with getting our perspective right, worshipping God, taking off our shoes, not doing it in our own strength, but asking God to come and to fill our shoes for us. And then out of worship comes the promise of God. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. And I just said, no, you haven't. Sorry, but no, you haven't, because like, it's all shut up tight. No one's coming out and no one's going in. And you're saying, I've delivered it into your hands. No, you haven't. And here's the thing. When God says he's done it, he's done it, but you've still got to step into it. Yeah? So there's a moment when God says that's the promise for you, but you've got to possess it. It isn't just going to fall into your lap. And I believe it's possible I believe it's possible for us in our lives to come to a point when God says it's done and we don't get into the done. We don't step into the done. Because that requires effort, it requires faith, it requires risk, it requires trust, it requires all the stuff you're going to hear about this morning. So firstly, we get our perspective right, but then secondly, uh, we have to do whatever he says. God gives Joshua a strategy, and he'll give us different strategies for our Jerichos, but there are some principles out of this strategy, which I think are, if you like, applicable across the strategies. So let's just read it together, Joshua 6 verse 3. This is the strategy, march around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days, make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, make the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if next week I said, you know what, last week as in this week we looked at that and i think next week this is the strategy god wants us to do so we started handing out rams horns and got a sort it's not about the details but what can we learn from the strategy that, that god gave joshua and i think we can learn three really important things there is a walk of trust there's a walk of trust because he says walk around the walls in total 13 times and for 6 days don't say a word Wow, how difficult is that? To keep walking and not saying a word. Why would he do that? Maybe once you've walked around something 13 times, you've seen it from every angle. Maybe part of this is for, for Joshua to walk around it 13 times and at the end of that stage, you know what God, I've seen it from every angle. It's bigger than I thought. It's thicker than I thought. It's harder than I thought. I now know for sure only you can do it. And over the last couple of years or certainly six months, I, me personally, I've walked around the walls in terms of us seeing breakthrough with the building, which will lead to breakthrough in people. I've walked around that more than 13 times, I trust you. We as a leadership have walked around it more than 13 times. We've seen it from every single perspective imaginable. We now know this will only happen through God's intervention. That's a good place to be, isn't it? We've walked around it and there's a time when you walk around it and you realise that only God can do it. But secondly, he says, "Well, and when you walk around it in trust, you've got to keep your mouth shut. How many of you find that hard? Yeah, I know I do. And, and, and learning to walk and not talk about your walls and not say, hey, do you never guess what, how big my walls of Jericho are? Actually saying, do you know what? Just shut up and keep walking. Don't keep bleating on. Don't keep going on. Don't keep putting on Facebook all the time. Don't keep doing that. Just walk in silence and trust because all the time that we're talking we're not listening and we're not trusting who God is and I know what it is to open my mouth and to put my foot in it don't you? I was at the villa um, a few years ago um, because I'm Sad that way, and uh, I'm sitting next to, to to these people in the stand. Alison was there as well, and I get so into it. I have to say, I get so passionate about it. My language is all good, okay, so don't worry about that. But I did get passionate. And there's one of our players, young guy, just brought into the team, and every time he got the ball, when it went anywhere near the goal, he shot it, and it was like miles off. And in, and I got myself a little bit ramped, and I started saying, "I says, why are you? What are you doing? They pay you loads of money. Why?" And the woman next to him says, "That's my nephew." which I said, dear God, <laughs> can I talk to you about Jesus? Not good. And I really, and then the rest of the game, I'm, every time he touched the ball, oh, great touch, great touch. It's amazing. He's amazing. He's, he's amazing. But I really wished in that moment that I kept my mouth shut. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and there's some people who wish they kept their mouth shut. Greg Norman, a golfer, said, I owe a lot to my parents, especially my mom and dad." And then again, going back to the football theme, Ronaldinho, class this one is, I want the Nobel Peace Prize, and I'm going to fight to get it. <laughs> I think you've kind of missed the point there. But sometimes you need just to, in your life, just to say, do you know what, God, I'm not going to talk, I'm just going to trust. And I'm going to keep walking, keep doing the right things, keep praying, keep reading my Bible, keep doing church, keep serving, keep loving, keep giving. Yeah, there are big walls of Jericho, I'm just going to keep walking, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to learn to trust you. And um, I think also, when you do that, you discover something else. You see, what happened to them is that they walked around 13 times, six of it in silence, but the Bible says they walked with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that's really important. Because the Ark of the Covenant is that box Simon spoke about so well a few weeks ago. And it represents the very presence of God. So even though they didn't understand what God was doing, they knew God was with them. Hello? Even though they didn't understand what God was doing, and the walls seemed so big... They knew God was with them. That's amazing. To walk in trust, sometimes in silence, when you don't know what God's doing, but you know that God is with you, is amazing. Let me tell you a personal story, um, just which I, again I shared at the Vision Gatherings. A couple of months ago, someone in the church asked me to go around for a cup of tea and a piece of cake. So I'm going to go. And I went and I sat down, didn't really know what it was about. But we began a conversation around the building and around refurbishing this building and what we want to do in order to do that and how that will bring breakthrough into the community and into people's lives and for us as a church and exciting. And, and he said, and so if you can ask the church to give money, I said, yes, I am. That's what we're going to do on the 19th of October. And then he said this, and, and will all that money go towards that refurbishment? I said, yes, it will. And we talked all around that. And he said, then I want to make you an offer. Says, I want you to think with the elders and pray about this. That we will match what the church give, pound for pound, up to the value of two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. To which I replied, "Can I have another piece of cake?" No, I I didn't. I didn't. I I was I was shocked. Took my breath away. Never been in a situation like that. And the thing about that, and I tell you that for this reason, that when I came out and thought about it and prayed and just, just thank God. I sat, I came out and sat in my car on my own and just like, I I was emotional. Do you know what I mean? Because to me, it wasn't about the money. It was just about the sense that God's with us. Because for that kind of thing to happen and that doesn't make their gift any bigger or more valuable rather than your gift or my gift, but it is that sense of, wow, God's at work. So for someone who has a gift of giving and the gift of resource to come together, because not everyone who has the gift of, who has money has the gift of giving. You know that, don't you? But when someone has the gift of giving and resource and they're willing to do that and God's moved on their heart, God's with us. And then when I shared it with the elders in that room through there on a Saturday morning and I told them the story and didn't tell them who it was, nobody but me knows who it is. And and I told them the story and three or four of us broke down in tears. Just because we've walked around this thing, we've walked around our walls of Jericho a lot of times. We've seen it from every angle, okay? And just the sense that God is with us is amazing. And maybe... Maybe that's what you need today Round your walls of Jericho. Not 250,000 pounds, but maybe what, you need, maybe what you need is just a sense that God is still with you. Because you can walk in silence when you don't know what God's doing, when you know that God's with you. And just let me say one more thing. That means, by the way, in case you haven't worked it out, that whatever you, in your response to God, give next week is kind of worth double up to the value of a quarter of a million, which is amazing. So that's made us think, hey, we knew what we were going to give and maybe we'll give a bit more because that's actually worth double. What could God do if all of us carried weight and we broke through together? It's amazing. Uh, and so out of that uh, first bit of the walk of trust, and then it moves and it says, and then I want you to march and march with praise and march to the sound of trumpets. I mean, surely armies march to the sound of drums, don't they? They don't march to the sound of trumpets. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, no army ever marches to the sound of a trumpet. Uh, Far be it from me to blow my own trumpet. Um, So I borrowed someone else's. ba But the interesting thing about these things is that to get sound out of a drum requires human effort, yeah? You have to hit the stick. Stick, skin, sound. But with a trumpet, it's different. There is still human effort, but actually... The sound isn't produced by human effort alone, it's actually produced by breath. It's not bad. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. In fact, I, I'm, I'm going to play one and then you need to sing the end bit because it goes too high for me because it's been like 25 years since I've blown one of these. Here we go, let's try. I'm staggered that you even recognise it. That's pretty good, that is. But here's the thing. If God said, march round to trumpets, not to drums, maybe he's getting at something. Because drum represents human effort, but the trumpet represents effort produced by breath. And interestingly, in the Hebrew language, breath, wind and spirit are the same word. It's interesting. So maybe, like in Simon's case, and we'll talk to Simon in a minute about what he did earlier on, um, maybe that's human effort. But not all wars will come down with human effort because there's sometimes some of them only come down with the activity of God. And when you read uh, the text there, there's numbers a lot. So six times do this, then seven this, six and seven. I don't want to get fixated with numbers, but six in the Bible represents the activity of man. Seven represents the activity of God. What God is saying is that, listen, there's a time when you just walk in trust, but there's also a time when you praise and you march to the sound of trumpet because that's the breath of the Spirit because some walls will only come down by the breath of the Spirit in conjunction with you. The Bible says in Zechariah 4 verse 6, It's not by might. And it 's not by power, but it 's by my spirit, says the lord it 's the breath of the spirit it 's the breath of the spirit of God blowing through us as we learn to praise Him and worship Him in those situations. So what they had to do is that they had to keep walking, and then they had to keep praising and keep focusing on God, and as you focus on God, God does amazing things through you. There's something powerful when you 're marching round your walls and you're still worshipping God, even though the walls are still there, even though you don't know how they're going to come down, but you have still got your eyes on God. Jack Hayford, who's an American author and pastor, said, there's nothing like continual praise to keep our eyes fixed on the one who holds victory in his hands. So I wonder for you this morning, if you're in a Jericho, you've got a Jericho in your life. Maybe it's situational, marriage, family, health, finances. Maybe it's internal, but it feels really external, you know, because like whenever you move forward, it stops you. Maybe it's even spiritual. Maybe the enemy's on your case right now. I don't know. But one of the things that I think we need to do is to learn to praise Him, to learn to worship Him, to learn to to focus on Him, to give our attention to Him. Quote here, it says, Life is not always what we expect, but when we praise and trust God in the midst of it, we can make it through anything. I believe that's true. When we focus on Him in the midst of it, we can make it through anything. So tonight, I want to encourage you to come tonight at 7 o'clock. We're going to pray We're also going to launch a new prayer strategy as a church. We don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. We don't pray enough. And there's not a quota that says that if you pray this amount, that's enough. There's not that. But I know there's not. I know I don't. And I know we don't as a church. And so we want to launch a new prayer strategy to help us to pray more. Because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by His Spirit. We need to see these things coming together. You know, I saw a tweet a couple of weeks ago on Twitter that said this. I entered the prayer meeting to see faces all aglow. Too bad it was from their phones. That's quite powerful, actually, because we, we, we're so focused on all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? And we're on our phones all the time, all the time, phone, 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 and we don't pray. So why don't we leave the phones for a bit and pray and let our faces be aglow through prayer, not just through the reflection on our phones. Wouldn't that be amazing? So I really want to encourage you to come tonight. And together we're going to pray, Lord, what would you have me and us to do to help us break through? And then the final thing, Simon, will you come and join me on stage? Little round of applause for the equaliser. <laughs> we, we. We did this at the first service, and it was off the cuff. We hadn't planned it or anything, so it's just as off the cuff now. But when you did that, mate, because you used to do that, didn't you, like in a previous existence? long time ago. Just talk to us about how does that happen? Because they are, they're not, when I sat down, Alison said, is that polystyrene? <laughs> 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 just no, no faith or trust in it. But they are uh, genuine, they're breeze blocks, it's heavy stuff. Yeah, so sure. how does that work? How do you actually do that? Yeah, so uh,
1: it's, it's training and it's technique. Um, it's not about breech strength, it is actually about technique. Um, and actually, as well, you have to picture yourself breaking through the block, and that's really important. And, and as I prayed about this, do you know, do you know what I mean? What, should I still do it? And stuff like this. And it was really powerful. God really spoke to me. And actually, he said, you know, there's still technique, Simon, in what you do. You know, Mm. God has given us biblical truths. It's a technique that we can use to get our breakthrough. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror. They're techniques. They're biblical principles that we need to use. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, you know, you've been given everything you need. You have every spiritual blessing to break through. And and that's it. That's technique, really. Um, And then the most important thing is it's already broke when I I come up on stage. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to believe it. You have to picture yourself breaking through. And it's the same with us in faith, isn't it? You know, we, we have to believe that we're, we're breaking So
0: through. you said at the first service that there are some guys you've met who are bigger and stronger than you who couldn't do that. Definitely. Why, yeah. why, why is that then? It's the belief. It's, they the they hit the block it. and they stop, yeah. Okay, they they so haven't they perceived it.
1: Okay. And that's a, another biblical word, isn't it?
0: Great. So Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Thank you for All that. Right. Thanks, Simon. Good job. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just that sense of picturing your breakthrough – Goes on to the third and final thing I want to say. So there's this walk of trust where you just got to keep walking, trusting God, knowing God's with you. There's this march of praise where you begin to praise God and focus on Him and the breath of the Spirit of God, and it's it's about who He is. But then there comes a moment when there is a shout of triumph. There is a moment when there's a shout of triumph. And this is not childishness. This is not silliness. You know, we don't shout because God's deaf. We shout because God says that actually sometimes you've got to stir something up inside of you in order to see breakthrough. And there's a moment when that breakthrough will come. And then when I was studying this many, many years ago, of this story, and, and I, I, kind of trying to, I couldn't get my head around this one part of the story. I thought, okay, so what you're saying, God, is that, is that you walk around your Jericho, you, you keep praising, you keep worshipping, you keep doing the right things, you keep focusing on God, and then you shout. There's a moment of breakthrough. But what about if the walls don't fall? Then I felt a bit of revelation, and I felt God say this to me. You know, sometimes, Leon, the actual walls don't fall, but the effect of them does. Wow, that's interesting, God. That's way too profound to be me. That must be from you. So it's like, actually, you know, you keep walking, but you know what? The marriage is still in a bit of a state. I'm still single, still out of work, still got a health issue. But maybe the breakthrough is that the walls are still there, but the impact and the effect of them begins to come down. So can I be single and be all that God has called me to be? Yes, I can, because that's what the Bible says. Can I be sick physically and still possess what God has for me? Yes, you can. Can I be in a financial situation or out of work or any of these things? Yes, you can. Because it's not always the actual wars. It's the impact that they have on you. So maybe this morning, it may be this morning that there is a shout of triumph for you. But it may be that the wars are still there. But the impact and the effect on them can begin to come down. You know, 17 years ago when Alice and myself had that diagnosis from the doctor about our youngest son Simeon's condition and his special needs and disability and and the fact that for the whole of his life he'd need to be looked after, he'd never be independent again. And and over this last 17 years there's been many times when we've looked at this situation and felt like a Jericho, you know, no way we're going to break through this. And 17 years later he's the same, you know. But the impact and all the thought pressure that, God, I could serve you more if I didn't have this. God, we could do this, we could do that, we could do the other, we could become this, we could become that. And, you know, sometimes we think, yeah, we say that, but actually, actually, we can hide behind that sometimes. You know, I have to believe that somehow there's God's, you know, providence within all of this but 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 we've discovered that the impact of those walls has gone has broken for sometimes it's back but then it breaks again he's the same the walls are the same but the impact is different does that make sense and I want to say to you whoever you are this morning the impact of the walls in your life can come down in Jesus name there can be a shout of triumph there really can but maybe you need to get that technique right. Maybe you need to cooperate. Maybe you need to picture that breakthrough. Maybe you need to say, God, I can't do it on my own. I can only do it through you who strengthens me. And maybe as you begin to work with all those dynamics, God will do more than you can ask or imagine. So maybe the question this morning is this. Lord, what, you, what would you have me do to help me break through? Not just us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. You're an amazing God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that... God, in these stories that feel so old and ancient and almost at times feel myth and fairy tale, but God, we know they're not. And God, we see them so relevant thousands of years later in a different context than culture because every single one of us in this room have got walls. There are Jerichos in our life, circumstances, internal, spiritual And God, we can decide that we're going to be restricted by those walls and we can decide that we're going to let that intimidation keep going or we can decide today, right now, no way. We are not called to live like that. We're going to move forward. We're going to break through. Can't do it on our own. Can only do it as we surrender to you, as we cooperate with you by your spirit working in us, by you filling our shoes, by us breaking through together. So God, I want to pray that now as we... Lift our eyes and look to you again as we focus on who you are. God, I pray that in this moment of worship and adoration, declaration, God, I pray that we'd even begin to sense just some of those walls in our life beginning to dislodge. God, would you come by your presence? I pray that we would know that you are with us as we walk around those walls in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? We're going to sing, we're going to worship Him. I want to encourage you to lift your eyes up this morning. Lift your eyes up. See how great our God is among us.